Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Real. Thanks for tuning into the Drop-Off. I'm Nicole Real, and today I'm so excited to welcome David Hammond to our podcast. David has been a longtime devoted Epic executive member and a leading change maker for children and families in Colorado. He devotes much of his time engaging in community activities, and he served as EPIC's board chair from 2019 through the end of 2022. We are thrilled to have David with us since he's a very busy and avid Colorado outdoor enthusiast. And from my perspective, it has truly been an honor for me to get to know David since I joined EPIC in 2019. And he has just been an incredible board chair and mentor to me and great person to work with. So thanks again for joining us today. David, and welcome. Uh, well, thank you very much, Nicole. And, and let me say that I've enjoyed uh, working uh, with you very much. And I'll say that uh, Epic was very fortunate to have you and still have you. And it was really a, a major turning point for us, a positive turning point, I should say. <laughs> well, thank you, David. I really appreciate that. All right. Well, we're going to dive into some questions for you, and we're going to start with a few personal questions on your background and your work experience. So first, I'd just love to share with our audience a little bit about your professional background. Um, can you tell us about your professional role and experience really leading up to now? For 35 years, I was a lawyer with, doing civil litigation for a large firm based in Denver, Given where we were, my clients were primarily energy companies and mining companies, some of them based in Denver, uh, but we also represented uh, international companies uh, on a, a regional basis. I did um, litigation throughout the Mountain West for many years at both the trial and appellate levels. Great. Thanks for sharing that. And you mentioned Mountain West. Is that beyond Colorado then? Were there multiple states that you were practicing in? Oh, yes. Um, we had many cases in Montana, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona. I spent a good chunk of time towards the end of my career in Alaska. Uh, we, we got around. Wow. Sounds like you also uh, had the chance to visit some amazing places in the midst of your work as well. Uh, uh, that's what that was a, a common perception, but uh, typically arrived late at night, went to uh, either the hotel work to get ready for the next day's meeting and then went back to the airport after that. So <laughs> I <laughs> Not was too much sightseeing then. <laughs> I frequently woke up in the hotel and said, uh, let's consider where am I today? Well, you had an incredible career and it sounds like it was also very busy and demanding in some ways on your family life. You know, of course, you also have an amazing wife, Mui, who's a very accomplished attorney in her own right and three amazing adult children with their own list of accomplishments as well. How has your family maintained balance throughout the years and what supports were most critical to that balance for your family? Uh, well, I'm not entirely sure that we maintain balance, but I can say that it was a, a very demanding and uh, very intense time. As you said, we were both partners in private law firms. Uh, at that time, 
uh, it was very unusual for uh, both parents to be working at private law firms and meeting their uh, demands. There was no such thing, for example, as uh, parent leave. It was maternal leave and it was short. It just meant that we had to figure out a way on our own uh, while meeting our professional demands. We also had three children within four years, so that James uh, was born before Alice uh, turned four. Uh, it would be fair to say that it was intense, but uh, it was also a very good time. And there were two keys to that. Uh, one was that my wife and I had a shared set of values and priorities relating to work and family, our children. Uh, those were the important things to us. We didn't do things, generally speaking, that didn't involve either work or family. And, um, you know, we just work things out. My wife, for example, got to uh, uh, the office at 6 a.m., but she was home by 5, and uh, I had early morning duty and uh, quite frequently worked at night and on the weekend. And we just considered what had to be done for our kids and our home life and uh, divided it up. And uh, really, there was no... There was no time for debate. You know, having a, a child screaming while you're having the discussion kind of makes you focus and get it resolved. But there were also great advantages to that because I got to do things uh, that my contemporaries, my male contemporaries, uh, didn't do. So, for example, our kids went to a cooperative preschool, which required significant parent involvement, including with a parent-toddler class where a parent had to go to every session. We split that evenly so that um, I got to see and be with our kids in that context. And uh, that was a great experience. I love hearing about that story with the cooperative preschool and, you know, appreciate your your candid remarks, too, on really the challenges of uh, of being a working parent and you know, trying your best to balance everything. It's something that I think we can all um, understand, certainly. So, you know, you've been active for many years at Mile High United Way and certainly have been a great advocate in early childhood. Can you tell us more about how you developed such a passion for early childhood and then how you also then developed a passion for working with Mile High United Way? Um, sure. Uh, so first of all, as we've already touched upon, uh, I am a father of three children, all now in their 30s. And I think that gives you some appreciation and understanding of the importance of early childhood. Uh, I would also say that my uh, experience that I just touched upon assisting in preschool was a motivation because I could see just how important preschool was. I observed and admired what the teachers did and had great respect for them and enjoyed it. I also spent a fair amount of time, I commuted largely by bus, and I was not commuting to the suburbs, I was commuting within Denver, and the buses I rode frequently had, uh, as passengers, families who were less fortunate, and I could observe their dynamics, I could observe their situation. I was well aware that we were more fortunate because there were obvious challenges that 
those families had and didn't, for one reason or another, have the ability to address them, and we did. And uh, I think that combination of the recognition of the importance of early childhood development and the uh, societal imbalance or inequity uh, was a motivation. I guess those are the basic reasons why I became involved in early childhood community level and remain quite interested. And did you get involved with Malheur United Way then through your employer? Is that how that connection was made initially? Or I mean, I know that you've served on the board for a number of years. You are certainly an important and very key, you know, participant and member and supporter of that organization. Yeah, my law firm mentor uh, and then later partner and, and, and always great friend uh, was on the board of the United Way for 12 years and served as its chair for two years and his his tenure was coming uh, to an end. We had a mentor talk and he guided me (laughs) to the United Way, which was a very fortunate uh, thing. And obviously I I didn't just, you know, I've been involved with the United Way as a board member for more than 20 years. I think that United Way, uh, the appeal, the ongoing and sustaining appeal of the United Way is it plays a role that really no other nonprofit plays. It's not a direct service provider, or at least not in the early years. It was a grant maker. It was a coalition former. It was a a popular nonprofit term. It was a convener. And so it was able to form large multidiscipline coalitions to address problems on a scale that uh, no single nonprofit, no matter how spectacular a job they did in their particular niche, uh, could not do. So I really saw uh, United Way as having an ability and the potential to address uh, these really challenging community issues. More recently, uh, the United Way, as you certainly well know, Nicole, uh, decided that early childhood education would be a priority for itself and uh, in its work. And more recently, it's it's quite literally putting its money where its mouth is by converting uh, a big chunk of its headquarters building into an early childhood facility that will focus on providing infant and um, younger children care, which is, as you well know, the hardest to find, and on serving families that are are low income and and need assistance, while at the same time making a commitment to provide a good uh, compensation to uh, its workers. So, you know, that's very exciting. It is definitely. And they've obviously been a fantastic partner of ours at Epic and thank goodness for mentors who get us involved in these things. Right. (laughs) You know, how did you get involved in Epic then? And why do you see Epic as such an important and impactful organization? Well, I got involved in Epic the same way that many, many Epic members Uh, I do. And that is Brad Bussey. It was uh, 2014. I was about to retire and uh, looking for a way to uh, get involved in the community and spoke with Brad, who 
said, uh, he said, let me make some introductions here. And then the next thing I knew, I was uh, volunteering with Epic. Thank goodness for Brad. <laughs> always, always. And, you know, the, the appeal of Epic uh, was that just like the United Way, it had and has a unique role as the representative of the business community with the business voice in early childhood. Um, and then also, also not strictly as an advocate at on the policy level or at the state capitol, but also doing work in individual workplaces uh, and at the community level. And nobody was doing that. And at least in my view, nobody is doing that. Nobody else, I should say. Yeah, I think those strategies have been very effective. Are there any other strategies uh, that you see being really key to engaging business leaders to support the early childhood system and young families in Colorado? I think uh, there are two things. Uh, One is blunt self-interest or naked self-interest. And certainly the pandemic has maybe been the most persuasive factor of of all. Uh, It's very clear to employers that in a way that maybe it wasn't so clear before the academic, uh, before the pandemic, that parents and employees need childcare if you want them to show up, or even if they're working remotely, if you want them to be paying attention on the Zoom call instead of being distracted by a screaming three-year-old, uh, they're going to need to have high-quality childcare, and um, you, uh, employers have an interest both in terms of advocating for uh, childcare on a community base in, uh, basis and figuring it out on their individual workplace uh, basis. It's a, you know, it's a powerful motivator. It is indeed. And we've certainly seen that firsthand in our work. You know, we've seen the successful rollout now uh, or are seeing that this year of Colorado's new universal preschool program. And We've made some really great strides here in Colorado over the years. What are you most proud of when it comes to Colorado's work to provide access to high quality care and early education experiences for children as you look back uh, these past, you know, 10, 15 years over what's happened here in our state? Well, I think there's been uh, a very fortunate in some ways, if you want to call the pandemic fortunate, uh, or at least there's a silver lining, as we've already discussed in terms of demonstrating the importance of high quality early care and education. But the other thing we've benefited from is that we've had great partners in state government. We've had uh, governors and and particularly Governor Polis, but before him, Governor Hickenlooper, who were very interested in early care and education and willing to make it a priority. And I'm very glad, for example, that Colorado adopted a full day kindergarten, but didn't stop there and moved on to universal pre-K. And, you know, at least listening to Governor uh, Polis, he's he's not done yet. Yes, Epic is not done yet, but it's it's it certainly is uh, handy to have a governor and the legislature that recognizes that there's uh, more to be done and it's a, a very important investment. I agree. We have some amazing champions here in Colorado on the governmental side as well as the private sector and nonprofit side too. You of course know that we're in another legislative policy season here and are working to reauthorize Colorado's child care contribution tax credit. 
It's a tax credit that brings $60 million in investment to child care programs across Colorado each year. And I know that you've worked on supporting the creation and the reauthorization of this tax credit over the years. Um, so can you explain to our audience why this tax credit is so important and so effective in Colorado? You know, do you use it yourself? And what does this mean to organizations um, who use it and also for donors? Well, absolutely. Uh, we use it ourselves. I saw it really from two perspectives. Uh, one, for many, many years, I was uh, my law firm's campaign chair for the uh, United Way campaign. The existence of the uh, credit was a powerful incentive for people who had the means to make significant gifts to, in fact, make significant uh, gifts. If, for example, uh, you have the capacity to give $10,000, but 5000 of that is going towards a uh, state tax credit that you are earning, well, gee, it does become uh, easier to make a more significant gift, and it makes it more attractive. It's an argument for supporting early care and education. I don't think that the credit causes people to make donations, but I think it certainly facilitates uh, making larger donations. Yeah, I appreciate you offering some more context on that. And um, I think we're, we're in a good place to hopefully keep that on track here in Colorado. And it's, um, it's, it's a really great tool and I think mechanism that we have to support child care here in Colorado. The other so thing I would say with regard to the credit is that I saw both as a campaign chair and then later as someone who was reviewing the data to support earlier legislative action to renew and extend the credit, that there was a hiatus because of a complicated economic formula contained in the statute that said if certain levels of economic levels were not met, the credit would be suspended. You could still earn the credit, but you couldn't apply it to that year's taxes. You had to wait for some time down the road. And so what happened was that child care contribution qualifying uh, donations dropped like a stone and it took years for them to recover. So it, it was a very effective demonstration of the role of the credit as an incentive for people to make incentive and a facilitator for people making uh, significant contributions to support early care and education. It was a perfect alignment of self-interest and community interest. Yeah, I think you make a great point there in looking at, you know, really what the data shows us too when that uh, kind of brief delay did happen with that tax credit. So you're leaving the board chair role with Epic in a wonderful place. And, you know, we're so excited for another year of growth at Epic. As I mentioned earlier, you've been an incredible mentor and guide to me personally, which I will be forever grateful for. And, you know, I'm curious, what message would you send to emerging leaders and advocates in the early childhood space? What's your advice for for these leaders and, and younger advocates coming up? Well, I think that there there are certainly very powerful arguments that are becoming, if anything, stronger uh, now than than they were years ago. Certainly, it's it can't be disputed that early childhood is absolutely crucial in terms of development of the 
children, both in a cognitive and a social sense, just countless studies that demonstrate that not only is it crucial, uh, high quality care and, and education is crucial for, for school readiness, but also we've had enough studies that demonstrate that there are long lasting benefits that go into middle age in terms of health and prosperity and many other factors. So it's absolutely important. It's also important uh, to, to make the argument that the workforce of the future is dependent upon or having the sufficient high quality workforce is dependent upon what we do today. If you look at the demographics in Colorado, we have a declining birth rate. We have a declining immigration rate, both not only into the United States, but in Colorado. And a very practical result of that or consequence of that is that business leaders need to see that it's in our self-interest to have every young child be as successful as possible. We we have to have a very high percentage of kids grow up and, and develop people who can be just as productive as they possibly can in the broadest sense possible. Well, we certainly hope that we'll continue to have the same and even more business leaders involved with EPIC and seeing the reasons for supporting early childhood and really prioritizing that for, for our community. What do you hope EPIC's work and impact will look like in five to 10 years from now? Well, Nicole, you may have heard this from me before. <laughs> you may now roll your eyes. I, I think what's what's crucial for EPIC is that we uh, continue to do uh, the great work we're doing on a policy level and at the community and individual workplace level, we find a way to take what we've learned and what companies and communities have learned and to move from helping individual companies and communities into making that formula, that those strategies, those routes to success available and easy to implement throughout our state, whether it be purely a matter of businesses and communities acting or state support, but, but being able to uh, multiply the impact that uh, Epic has had. Keep, keep doing everything you're doing. <laughs> well, thank you. We certainly plan to, and we are looking forward to, uh, to reaching those goals and, and doing all of those things in the next five to 10 years. So now that you've got a little more time on your hands, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to as we move into 2023? Well, in, in terms of the, uh, the nonprofit or community aspect of my, uh, life, uh, I'll skip my grandparent priorities. I'm still on your board, Nicole. And yes, you so, are. And I hope you're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> and so I will uh, be, be serving on uh, Epic's board. Uh, I'm still on the United Way board, although I'm about to be uh, term limited there. Uh, at the same time, I'm becoming involved in other uh, community nonprofit work outside uh, the early childhood realm. And I'm uh, excited about that uh, for many reasons, one of which is it's all kind of an illustration that even if you think you're 
doing something in the community that's not supporting early care and education? Well, it really is. Uh, because building stronger communities and creating more opportunities and healthier and safer places for uh, families is crucial to uh, having young children be as successful and happy as they can be. It all ties back to early childhood, right? We know that, Nicole. And if That's only right. We, if only we can get others to uh, agree, it'd be terrific. Well, we're making sure we're, we're working hard on making sure everyone else knows that too. So, well, thank you, David, for your contributions to Epic the last three years and even before that and for future years as well. We appreciate your time talking with us on the Drop-Off podcast today. Thank you also for your service to early childhood care and education. And I hope that, that you do get the time to enjoy all that Cardo has to offer this spring as well. So thanks again. And thank you for your time today. Thank you, Nicole. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org.